Thanks to KiwiCo for supporting another mother runner. Remember that the most wonderful gifts are the ones that spark wonder. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code AMR at KiwiCo.com. Step up to a Nordic track treadmill with iFit. iFit controls speed, incline, and decline, which means the treadmill automatically mimics the changing terrain on the screen or adjusts the speed to the trainer's cues without you having to touch a thing. Explore Nordic Track treadmills at nordictrack.com. Make an investment in your health today and try the ultimate all-in-one wellness bundle to support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com AMR. You'll receive up to a year's supply of liquid vitamin D for free with your first purchase. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I am doing well. It's uh, the rain has set in here in Portland, and um, hoping just, for just some a, clear. Six months to go. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So we are going to dispense with some of the usual chit chat today because I want you to talk some as a lead into our topic today, which is, as you know, Dim, it is epic for you accomplishments. So we're going to be talking um, later on with three different women who achieved things that were epic for them. It doesn't perhaps on paper um, might not be um, deemed like a moonshot type epic, but it definitely was a big stretch for them. And it was prom- prompted by a Facebook post um, from our first guest who said this morning, I did literally the hardest thing I've ever done, the high knob hellbender 10 K and it was 6.4 miles with almost 2,200 feet of elevation. And she said that you can see five States from the top of the mountain. So that's from Kelly. We'll hear from Kelly a little bit later on, but I just got thinking like, you know, that, that it doesn't need to uh, epic it can be defined however you like it. And then, Dim, when I was telling you about it, you, you told me that the topic really resonated and, and then I was reminded it very much um, harkens to mind your Ironman triathlon, your training and doing that race. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, um, the headline, I, I wrote a feature about it for Runner's World way mm-hmm. back in the day and it, the headline was how to be epic. Mm-hmm. So that's why that <laughs> came up. <laughs> um, but I remember writing this paragraph and about in that intro um, before I started talking about my race. And I said, it's really a, about staying in your own lane, right? Mm. Because I mean, people can admire climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or climbing Mount Everest or doing an Ironman or doing, you know, um, you know, really what are like thought of as like universally hard things. Mm-hmm. But, but there's also this part of like, you know, challenging yourself to just go a little bit outside your comfort zone. And for me back, you know, in 2013, which feels like about seven decades ago, not seven <laughs> years ago at this point, you know, that was, I mean, I had always had my eye on an Ironman um, and I, you know, kind of have had the drive to do an Ironman. I had the athleticism and the, and the mm-hmm. skill background to do it. So that mm-hmm. was like for me, you know, a perfect challenge. It was ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember writing that, you know, maybe in a decade, a 10K trail race will be my mm. I literally remember right. You're, you're prescient, Dimity. <laughs> we are talking about, you know, um, I'm sorry, I've forgotten her name. Kelly. 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 
um, Kelly who did the 10K. So that's like perfect, right? Uh-huh. Not even, that's not, that can't even be my epic anymore. I'm not running anymore, you know? So I have to think about what is my epic now, you know? So I, I really think that, yes, it's easy to really praise and like ooh and ah, the things that like we think of as really hard and, you know, absolutely go for those if that's what's interesting to you. But there is a lot to be gained for just stepping, you know, just a little bit outside that circle of comfort and doing something that you're like, hmm, I mean, I think I might be able to, but I'm not sure, you know, um, and that may be a marathon, it may be a 10K, it may be, you know, it may be a bunch of different things. Yes, yes, definitely. Sometimes for me, it is because um, I definitely have a, I'm a, not a thrill seeker by any means. And to me, uh, the two are slightly tangential, epic and, and thrill seeking. And so, you know, for me to, to have gone swimming almost two weeks later than usual in the season, that, w- that was epic for me. That was, that was a push that was thrilling. I felt um, a glow and a sense of excitement for a couple of days afterwards. That's and, perfect. you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, we all have our own little, you know, barometers of what gives us joy and what is comfortable. Cause you know, I, I wouldn't want to say, okay, so Sarah, you don't like, you know, um, thrill seeking so much. So, you know, your Epic has got to be, you know, jump paragliding, right. Mm-hmm. You'd be mm-hmm. like, uh, not, you know, like not, not in a million years. Right. <laughs> Cause it wouldn't be fun. It would be too, too much. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, finding something that's just, again, just like one tiny step, or one, you know, medium step outside of comfortable, there's, there's just a lot to, there's a lot, especially as you get older, there's a lot to be gained there. Well, and I really feel, Dim, it's one of your guiding principles. Like, like I am the person who, you know, I'm, I was training for marathon number 15 this year before it got postponed. And, uh, you know, to me, that's, that's the challenge that I like to seek over and over again. And you are always striving and seeking out new challenges, new ways to push yourself, like the way you did the um, swim run a couple of years ago and the Grand Canyon. And, and so talk a little bit. I know you are um, eyeing augmenting your Grand Canyon experience perhaps next year. Talk about yeah, that a little bit. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, I think again, like, I think um, there's no right way, right? So like the idea of running 15 marathons, that to me is, sounds so, it just, I'm just not wired that way, right? Yeah. You're wired like I am. And so I think, again, like I really want people to give themselves grace when they listen to this episode. If you're like, okay, but I don't want to do the Grand Canyon or I don't want to run a 10K trail race, you know? Well, so what do you want to do, right? So, I mean, for me, like, yeah, I mean, I've always been like, I don't ever want to run the same race again. I always want a new experience. I mean, it's, it's a little exhausting, to be honest with you. Because you're- <laughs> I have no doubt, Dimity. <laughs> settle in and do it again. But I, but that doesn't, that doesn't bring me that joy. That doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. feel epic to me. Um, mm-hmm. Banjo. Yeah. So what does Banjo find epic? You know, <laughs> could catch a squirrel. That would be up. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. So to me, it's, it's, you know, it's training, it's training, doing something different. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily learning a new skill. I mean, I feel like I kind of rely on endurance for most of my adventures. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, swimming and biking are, a little bit more skill oriented than running and hiking, but they're, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely got an endurance base to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, I just like a new adventure. I mean, you know, I just really, really enjoy trying something. It takes the pressure off too, because I mean, that is, I, I will say that's kind of, I don't know, a hack or I don't know what the word would be, but I mean, the default is the first time you do something, you know, you don't have any pressure about how it's going to go like swim run. If I were mm-hmm. to go back and do it again, I'd want to be faster. 
right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I don't go back, then I don't have that pressure. Like it's this like kind of um, sly way and maybe it's a little bit of a, um, what's the word? I mean, I'm being like a little bit, I'm not uh, putting myself on the line very much. Like people, when I did Iron Man, they were like, oh, you know, I did very well for- You did, you did. Um, and, um, and I, you know, I can't remember, I honestly can't remember what my time was. And, but I was like, okay, if I went a little bit faster, like maybe I could take 20 minutes off my time mm-hmm. if I had a good day, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, do I want to train again for nine months for 20 mm-hmm. minutes? Like, mm-hmm. no, no. So that's, so again, like maybe somebody who's wired differently would come back and say, yeah, I want that 20 minutes. I want to right. feel what that feels like to go sub whatever. Um, but I, you know, but to me, I'm like, oh no, I'd rather do something else. You know, I would rather maybe do another triathlon, but do a half Ironman, which isn't as much of a commitment and do it in a place that I've never done it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Dim, you're really showing your colors why, why our business has been around for 10 years. I have to say that, that you bring so much thought and clarity and insight and enthusiasm to all these different angles. Like I'm just really oh. sitting here in awe of you, Dimity. So, oh, that makes yeah. me feel good after, after being my, you know, my, my work wife for 10, 10, <laughs> I mean, 10, I mean, 10 years. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks Sarah. I mean, I appreciate it. And again, I admire you for doing 15 marathons. Like it's a different skill set, and that's why we complement each other. It's a different mentality. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's, I think, again, there's no wrong way as long as you're just, you know, continuing to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say these days, sometimes just moving forward is epic in and of itself. <laughs> <Yeah, great. laughs> I agree. Relentless forward motion. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. Do you have anything before? I know we're, I know we're going to welcome Kelly on in a minute, but do you have anything like brewing in you right now that feels epic? Oh, um, just getting by feels yeah. kind of epic. Um, so, well, I mean, just I'm cranking up the engine. I sometimes feel like an old fashioned motor car where you had to hop out and crank, 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 crank the, on the front of it because, you know, hopefully Missoula Marathon will happen next June. And so I will once again do heart and soul training for that. You know, I did a lot of that program. So I know I did level two. So I know the challenges that await me. Um, do we need, do we need a level three to make it epic for you? <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> um, my goodness. Maybe we should start naming some of our train, like a mother club programs. Epic. Epic. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, that's definitely a, you know, because that that's unfinished business you have, you know, it is, it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, we should say um, just briefly that the, unfortunately the race director tony and i i never i didn't know his last name yeah so sad um yeah tony um died uh, you're always so clutch with the last names you know banovich banovich tony banovich he died recently what like a couple weeks ago oh yeah he died last month he was he knew he had um heart problems and he i learned dim from our friends at bibrave that tony had um gone to move down to um, Arizona with his wife to be at the Mayo Clinic down there to, and he was on the list for a heart transplant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So he um, died peacefully in his sleep as I understand it. And that, um, you know, Run Wild uh, Missoula will 
certainly they they miss him very much and and i mean the big brave people and i had a good cry over some some beers i mean it just really hit me hard that death i we i only met tony um in 2019 at the running usa no not running usa um uh the running event that trade show and he just had such wonderful energy and so welcoming to us Tim. you know that he reached out to us to have us be the headline speakers there and he was just so enthusiastic and then when they did have to you know decide to postpone it for a year he's like you'll please will you come back i'm like of course we'll come back we're so looking forward to it yeah and so i really it saddens me also that he didn't get to experience his race what would have been one last time Sure, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm sure. Uh, hopefully, stand at that starting line. I probably will shed some more tears. I'm sure, there will be um, nice memorials to Tony. And um, people are talking among the Bammer community. Um, definitely, it sounds like more people are going to plan to go to that race. Now that's been. I've heard from a couple of people. They're like, "Oh, I'm thinking about signing up." I'm like, "Do it, do it, do it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Yeah. We uh, should we yeah. dive into Kelly? Um, yeah. just I don't want to let's not, I mean, I don't want to <laughs> you down before we get up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, well, we will have the first of our epic undertakers, they will join us after this break. Stay with us. It's hard to believe that Thanksgiving is in a few short weeks, which means that the holiday gift hustle is about to begin. I don't know about your kids, but mine have already started their wish list, and there are very few educational toys on there which is why I am getting them a subscription to KiwiCo next year. They love the crates they received the past few months, so I just know they will be thrilled when their next crate arrives in January. While I know the holidays will look very different this year with more time spent at home, I know my girls will love the hands-on science and art projects that spark their curiosity and hopefully negate some of the scream time they've logged in 2020. I love watching their eyes light up as they put together their creations all by themselves and gain confidence as they see what they were able to accomplish. And shh, we won't remind them that they're actually learning while they do it. Kiwi Co. crates not only keep them busy, but they ignite an imagination in each of them that has been dimmed in 2020. It gives them the confidence to start and finish a project on their own and learn high quality engineering science and art projects at the same time. Kiwi Co. is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code AMR at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com, promo code AMR. Some technology I can give or take. Our washer and dryer are two decades old. I think I have an iPhone 8. But when it comes to treadmills, newer is beyond nifty. Nordic Track treadmills with iFit interactive connected technology are life-changing. With a huge touchscreen, iFit transports you to an energetic studio workout class or stunning locations filmed in amazingly more than 40 countries across all seven continents. iFit offers up thousands of on-demand workouts from walking and hiking excursions up to a speed building intervals and everything in between. There are even yoga, boot camp, and cross-training sessions that have you hopping off the treadmill. New Zealand, Egypt, Patagonia, Easter Island. These are just some of the far-flung locales you can virtually visit via Nordic Track Treadmill with iFit. With a wide, high-definition touchscreen, you will almost think you are running in those places. I still practically feel like I have run in a waterfall and lake-filled national park in Croatia, thanks to my last session on a Nordic Track Treadmill with iFit. I'm eagerly waiting delivery of my own treadmill and oh, the places I'll go. The technology is equally impressive. When the terrain on the screen climbs, the treadmill automatically raises. When the trail levels out, so does the well-cushioned tread. 
The speed adjusts all on its own. After hitting start, you let the treadmill make all the adjustments, no pushing buttons. If your motivation is fired up by competition, do one of the studio classes, even a live one, so you can see your stats on a leaderboard against other workout warriors. The possibilities are endless. To see what I'm talking about, head to nordictrack.com. That's N-O-R-D-I-C-T-R-A-C-K.com. See where you can go with a Nordic Track treadmill with iFit. With as many as 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense formula than Athletic Greens. It has so many things, I literally need to pause to take a deep breath before detailing them. Athletic Greens packs a multivitamin, multimineral, greens complex, probiotic, prebiotic for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and more. Whew! There's no need for multiple pills or complex routines. So filling the nutritional gaps in your diet is as easy as one simple scoop. Athletic Greens is delivered in an absorbable green powder. I really like the clean green taste that to me has notes of chocolate from the cocoa extract in it. Here's how I take Athletic Greens. First thing every morning, I mix a scoop of Athletic Greens with water and a few ice cubes in it. Then I drink it before my hour long runs because it gives me a little more in my stomach than just water. Gone is my internal debate whether to eat a little something before a weekday run or not. Plus, my steps feel lighter and a bit easier. So if you're looking to upgrade your multivitamin or take one nutritional formula that's going to help you cover all your new daily nutritional bases, consider Athletic Greens. Make an investment in your health today and try the ultimate all-in-one wellness bundle and support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com AMR. As a special gift to our listeners, you'll receive up to a year's supply of liquid vitamin D for free with your first purchase. Again, that's athleticgreens.com AMR, athleticgreens.com AMR. The woman who kicked this epic party off is Kelly Sherritt. She is a Virginia mother runner of two boys. She is a fifth grade teacher and she is joining us from her classroom, we understand. So welcome, Kelly. Hi, glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, glad to have you. Thanks for making time and on a Friday afternoon, Kelly. So um, tell us a little bit about your running background. Um, I, you know, growing up, I, I, I come from a very athletic family. My dad and my older brothers, you know, played every sport available in school. And I tried. It just wasn't my thing. Um, I ended up playing softball and was a cheerleader. And I was also one of those that did everything I could to get out of running <laughs> in school. And um, in 2014, I believe it was, some friends of mine put on a 5K on Thanksgiving morning as kind of like a fundraiser to buy Christmas presents for underprivileged children in our area. So, you know, I kind of signed up for it just as a favor for them. And it was, it was a disaster. I said I would, it was not, running was not for me. <laughs> but then like a month later, the day after Christmas, um, I woke up that morning and decided I was just tired of feeling the way I did. I had no energy. Um, I had gained a lot of weight and I just didn't feel good. So I just kind of started slowly walking every day and working my way up. And within a couple of months, I decided to give running a try. Um, and that spring, I just, I started and I've never looked back. It's kind of like become an addiction now. And people think I'm crazy because I pay lots of money to go out and run, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's my thing now. Awesome. Well, and what kind of races do you like to do? What, what kind of races do you like to pay a lot of money to? 
Um, I do mostly 5Ks around here. Um, there's not many 10Ks around here. That's my favorite distance. Mm-hmm. I feel like with a 5K, I'm just kind of getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not many 10Ks around here. There's a few. Um, there are s- several halves. Normally, if it wasn't 2020, there would be a lot of halves in my area. Um, I do live like smack dab in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains here. And I'm like as far west in Virginia as you can get down in the tip next to Kentucky and Tennessee. Mm. So I actually have to drive into other states a lot to find races. So, all right. So what prompted you to do what I would deem a hilly ass 10K? Um, (laughs) I had known about this race for several years and I said I would never, ever do this race because, you know, like I said, I live in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains, so hills are inevitable around here, um, but I do everything I can to avoid hills. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a joke among me and my running friends that I avoid hills. Mm -hmm. And then this race, particular race, went up to the top of a mountain and it's about 2,200 feet in elevation. At the top of this mountain, if the skies are clear, you can see into five states from the top of this mountain. Which five states is that, please? Um, Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, and West Virginia. Wow. Okay. And so some friends of mine had signed up to do it, and they were like, come on, Kelly, do it. And I said, no, absolutely not. I am not running up a mountain. And they're like, yeah, come on. We'll, we'll just all do it together. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> Anytime there's a shirt and a medal involved, I guess I'll attempt it. So we started on this race and I was under the impression that we were all just going to kind of walk it together and have fun. Well, all of my friends took off from the very beginning. Ah, bugger. So, yeah. <laughs> so I ran as far as I could. And then there was actually about a mile and a half before through the town before you got to the foot of the mountain. So I ran, you know, to the foot of the mountain. And then I said, there's, there's just no way I can run up this mountain. So I just, I did the best I could. It took me over two hours to reach the top of this mountain. And, you know, by the time I finished, you know, all my friends had been finished for a while. And when I got to the very last turn and the very last hill, they came down and finished it with me again. Mm. And so they were all laughing, like, come on, you can finish out strong. And I said, I hate every one of you right now. Don't talk to me. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's one of those things, like I said, I, never, I would never, ever do it. Um, will I do it again next year? Probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My friends are like, oh, yeah, you'll be right here with us. I said, no, no, it's, it's a one and done for me. I'm, I, I'm glad I can say I did it, but it's probably not something I would attempt again. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's, let's point out again, it was called the High Knob Hellbender 10K, yes. um, 6.4 miles, so longer than a 10K, um, 2,200 feet of elevation. So that is a mile, almost a mile and a half of climbing. So yeah. that is a lot. I mean, it's hard to sometimes figure out like, you know, if, if a race has like, you know, it's hard to know what 2,200 feet is, but 2,200 feet over six miles, it's, I mean, you're pretty much climbing the whole time, right? Yes. And there were a lot of hairpin turns, very steep. Um, Just when you thought that you were going to get near the top, there was another hill coming. (laughs) (laughs) That that, that is true. And you're just like, I did the um, Pikes Peak Ascent once, which which is um, going to the top of Pikes Peak. And the problem was with that is that 
you know, you're, you're towards the top. It's, you know, um, pretty thin air, so it's hard to breathe anyway. And so, but, but, but sound travels really well in thin air. So they had those, um, oh, what were those horns from like World Cup soccer? Vivazula or? Vizulas, I don't know. Alex can join, can chime in if he knows the answer. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He doesn't know. Anyway, they were playing those at the top, right? So I'm like, oh, I'm going to be there, you know, and you can kind of see them out of the corner of your eye. Oh no, it's like 35 minutes. I'm going to be there. You know, so that kind of idea that like, yeah, you're there, but you're not, it definitely can play with you. Um, well, so talk about your training. Did you kind of just go into this and go for it? Or did you do some hill work? You said you have a lot of hills. Like, did you, did you think about it any differently training wise? Um, no, not really, because actually signing up for the race was kind of like a spur of the moment thing. Um, I had been following the training plan for the Love Your Run. I did both the Love Your Run, Love the Run You're With and the 2.0 version. Great. So I had been following those training plans because um, I had actually been working towards some other running goals. Um, I turned 40 earlier this year, so I had set a, pre-COVID, I had set a goal to run 40 races this year. Mm. And so when COVID hit and all the races started shutting down, I had to do some refiguring. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when the Love the Run series popped up, I thought, oh, well, that's a great way to knock out several races towards yeah. my goal. Nice. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So um, I had actually been following that training plan some. Um, if I could go back and do it again, I would have done more heel work mm-hmm. because a lot of people – you tell them, I know that he'll work. It will really help when running on flat land. Mm-hmm. And I know that's true, but it's just that intimidation of going up the hill, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in our area. But yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and what, I, was, what was your mindset going into the race? I mean, were you fretting about it? Were you, you know, hammering it out with your friends over and over and over? Or were you just kind of like, yep, that'll happen tomorrow. I'll get there when I get there. Yeah, that was kind of the mindset I had, you know, when we got there that morning, we were all just kind of standing around in the parking lot, stretching, warming up a little bit. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And I did not imagine that it would be as strenuous as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, I kind of just took it step by step. And I said, mm-hmm. that was what I was going to do. I was going to take it step by step. Um, one moment I would, I would be ready to quit. Mm-hmm. I would, there were people following us up on like um, ATVs and, you know, there was even an ambulance in the back. And there were several times I had thought about just saying, I'm done, I'm quitting. But mm-hmm. then I thought, no, I, I've, I've made it this far. I can make it a little bit further. And that's what I just kept telling myself a little bit further and you'll be there a little bit further. Every hill, mm-hmm. I got to get to the top of this hill and then I would stop and rest if I needed to, and then t- go take on the next hill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm reminded of um, the way you pronounce hill. I'm reminded of Demo is saying that hill and hell are one letter different. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you, um, did, were you listening to music at all, Kelly? Or was it just you and your thoughts? Or did you talk to anybody around you? Or tell us a little bit about your, um, yeah. I, I, have a, a, I have a Spotify list of mm. a big variety of music that I listen to. Um, everything from you know, 80s hair bands to Disney park music. (laughs) And then, you know, if, if I get tired of the music, I'll flip over and put on a podcast and listen for a little while. But I mostly tend to just listen to the music. Um, it, it 
kind of keeps me going, keeps me distracted enough to where I can just push myself a little bit further each time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the feeling like when you reached that top with the, the spectacular view and you please tell me that it was clear enough to see all five states? Um, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you reached the finish line, it was kind of like in a parking lot because um, we were in the Jefferson National Forest for, okay. through all. So when you reached that parking lot, there was actually another walkway to go on up to the lookout tower to where you could see. Mm. Um, but I was just so tired and over it that I didn't walk on up to the tower that day. I keep saying that I'm going to drive back up there one day with my medal and take some pictures. I just haven't done it yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, it was, when I got up that morning, it was about 35 degrees when I left my house that morning. So I was expecting it to be cold, but it was an hour drive to the race. And by the time I got there and got checked in and we got ready to start, the temperature had actually went up about 15 degrees. Mm. So it was a, it was a nice, comfortable day for yeah. the rain. Yeah. Perfect temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk a little bit. Okay. So you didn't go, you didn't climb the tower, which is okay, but after you kind of caught your breath and maybe your legs stopped shaking, or maybe it's just me that yeah. like shake after I climb and climb and climb. Um, how did you feel, Kelly? Like, and, and how did you feel immediately and then the next couple of days after? Um, immediately after, I just, I felt like, okay, I did this. You know, it was, it was, it was like there was that high going, hey, I did this. But at the same time, it was like kind of, just like, oh, hey, another race I can check off, you know. <laughs> um, a lot of my friends were more amazed and proud of me than I was of myself because, you know, all my coworkers here at the school, they're like, oh, I can't believe you, you run on flat land, much less up to high knob because it's just a, it's a popular spot in our area. Um, I guess I was, I was proud of myself. I was, you know, showing, of course, on the way home, I was showing off my medal to anybody that would look at it. I probably, <laughs> I probably wore it around town afterwards when we went to eat lunch and grab some food. But yeah, it just, I guess it didn't really dawn on me what I had done right away. The next day mm-hmm. when I woke up, I was like, oh, hey, I have made, I walked all the way to the top of High Knob. And so now every time we're in that town now, mm-hmm. um, my husband and I have a joke. I look at him and say like, have you ever ran to the top of High Knob? And he's like, no, but I've heard it's pretty fun. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, did it, did doing that and feeling as accomplished as you did, did it change your mindset about maybe trying something, you know, that, that you've said no, no, no to in the past? Um, once maybe COVID clears and you've got uh, more options? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's really opened my eyes to, you know, if I can do that, what else is out there that I could do? You know, it's, I've even thought about maybe um, looking, I mostly do road races around here. Um, I have a friend that lives in Kentucky. She does a lot of trail races. I've thought about maybe training with, to do some of those with her. Um, Spartan is kind of in the back of my mind. I would love mm. to do a Spartan race. Mm. Um, and I know those take a lot of training, mm-hmm. um, but I just, I think I'm just going to wait and see what happens in 2021 and 
kind of see what opens up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now do you have to do 41 races next year since you didn't get to do 40 this year? Um, well, I have between all of the virtuals that I've done mm-hmm. and races are starting to open back up here. Mm. Um, I am actually scheduled to hit my 40th race next Saturday. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, I did a live half last weekend. Uh-huh. Um, I have two 5Ks this weekend. Oh and <laughs> then I am doing a half in Corbin, Kentucky next Saturday, which will be my 40th race. Oh, that's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That's epic too. You're like epic <laughs> times two. I mean, to, to get in 40 races in a year, like this year, Kelly, is like, congratulations. Wait, wait, Thank wait you. keep going. That's very, very impressive. When I hit that, when I hit that 40, um, about 26 to 20, maybe 27 of them will be virtual. Mm-hmm. But to me, if, if I've put in the mileage and gotten the medal, to me, it counts as a race. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah definitely. But now that there are live races starting to open back up, um, I think between now and the end of the year, I have one, two, about seven or eight more live races <laughs> between now and the end of the year. Oh my gosh. Hi there, sister. My gosh. You're going to turn 50 yet though. <laughs> That's just stay in your 40th year. That's great. Oh my goodness. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us and for, for putting up that comment and those pictures that prompted this whole podcast. Well, I appreciate it. And when, when I got the email to be on the podcast, I was, I think that excited me more than finishing the race. I was, (laughs) I was texting all my friends. I was like, guess what? I'm going to be on the podcast. (laughs) There you go. There's there's enough to be epic, right? Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Kelly, take care and enjoy all those races. Thank you. Bye-bye. Our second guest is Christine Turner. She's the mother of two elementary age daughters, and she's an executive VP in advertising, which, as you'll see, comes in, um, is pertinent to her story. Christine and her family live in Tampa, Florida. Her epic undertaking was completing the Disney World Marathon in January of this year in extreme weather conditions. Thanks for joining us, Christine. I am so happy to be here. Thank you. Nice to meet you all virtually. <laughs> nice. There you go. So, Christine, you have been a runner, it sounds like, for two decades. Um, how did you get started, and, and what kind of races do you typically like to do? Right. Um, well, it's varied. It's progressed. I came out of college, like many, and I've heard a lot of women on the podcast in the same way, and not really having paid a lot of attention to my fitness. So I got into running as kind of a low-barrier thing and started doing more 5Ks. And then I remember pushing myself to my first 15K and stayed there for a while. And, um, I, you know, I had my children a little later in life. I was advanced maternal age for both of them and was pregnant when I turned 40. And so then I took on the half marathon um, after my second daughter was born, feeling like I needed to do something to ring in this new decade. And um, when I was done with that, I was happy and ran a couple more half marathons, but uh, the marathon distance was just always something that I had in my mind that I wanted to try. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. So before we get to the day of details of the race, um, you need to tell us please about your two bigger motivations for doing a marathon. And I know that one involves your extended family and the Mm -hmm. other some work associates. Yes, it does. So 
you know, during the time I was thinking about the marathon, I have three brothers, two older, one younger, and all had completed a marathon. And, you know, I'm sort of tribal in nature with my brothers. I would say we're all very close. And I wanted to be part of that tribe. I wanted to do the things that they had done. Um, I felt very proud of them. I felt looking at them all come across the finish lines that um, the marathon distance was an epic thing. And I wanted to feel what they were feeling. Around the same time, I was also um, going through a lot of discussions and um, reflection on what it meant for me to be in a succession plan at my company, um, Chapel Roberts, because we'd had the chapel and the Roberts, um, my mentors, my bosses uh, that came before me, I would be third in line, that would have both been extremely, extremely wonderful boss ladies, the most important people in my life in some ways, but they'd also both been through very arduous journeys with cancer. Um, And Deanne had passed away and Colleen, thankfully, is a survivor. And I thought, how can I kind of jump into this because it's where I'm supposed to be. I am supposed to uh, continue into the succession plan and, and be so you know, gung-ho about this part of my leadership journey, but then also understand that this is also a path that um, was there for the two people that came before me. And Colleen has been very uh, forthcoming, thinking that stress was part of her cancer diagnosis. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, I need to be able to process this and control it. And I want to be the person that puts my health forward before I put the company or in balance really with everything that would be part of this leadership journey and take that time and carve out this part of my life as a leader that allowed me to be healthy and to de-stress and have an outlet was really important to me. That's very cool. Well, so let's go back to your brothers. So like, were you like the odd man out when they were talking about, you know, they're like 20 mile runs or did they like give you a hard time at all for, you know, being a runner, but never having done a marathon or, or is that not the nature of your relationship? No, that's not the nature too bad with the, of our relationship, but it, it dominates the conversation when there's, um, you know, three people that have the shared experience and, uh, you know, I did not have that shared experience and, you know, we'd run 15 Ks together. We'd done other um, events together, but the marathon was definitely something that, uh, you know, they had in common and I wanted to be a part of. And and they're good natured in that. They cheered me on. Um, you know, my uh, brother that lives in Florida came all the way over to, uh, to Orlando to watch. And uh, my sister-in-law ran it. So my other brother was there uh, watching it with, with us both. It was a first time for both of us. Oh, that's wow. exciting. Mm-hmm. I got I to just point that out. You're like, um, but it comes up in conversation and all that. And I'm like, Wait, marathons, runners talking about marathons coming up? (laughs) No idea what you're talking about. No idea what you're talking about. Oh my gosh, I know. (laughs) All the time. I think my dad uh, has the patience of a saint because that that was our holiday discussion. And then when I joined the club, it really, you know, really took over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so did they help you with your training or tell us kind of how you, how you approached your training for, for the Disney World Marathon? So, um, you know, when I'd done my half marathons, I honestly like downloaded a training plan from Pinterest, which is kind of (laughs) funny looking back, but for the marathon, I knew I needed somebody that I could bond with and somebody I wouldn't have to feel guilty about texting. So I hired uh, the world's best running coach and Maria Williams. And, you know, it's so funny. My relationship with her is so important to me throughout all those months. Um, I didn't cry when I completed the marathon until talking to anybody until I talked to her, but she helped me and she gave me weekly 
plans and she believed in me and cheered me on and said, yes, even though you feel like you're struggling with a 5k in July, by January, you'll be killing this marathon. Mm -hmm. And she was right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That progression thing is a, is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Okay. So then marathon day dawns, uh, January, Florida, and it is far from ideal race conditions. Um, So it's predicted to be broiling hot. Sounds like, and mm-hmm. did it cross your mind to not even start the marathon? No, it, it never did. I mean, I knew I'd have to adjust. And my running coach said, I'm not even giving you a plan. You know, I'd never done a marathon before. So I didn't know that a running coach would give you like run the first six here, you know, because there's that 10, 10, 10 theory, right? Or 10K, you know, people have different theories about how to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. And she just kept telling me, don't do it. However fast you think you want to run, slow down. And she said, you'll want to run, you'll want to run, you'll, you'll want to run, but you need to slow down because you will be stepping over all the dead bodies at the end. I'm not kidding. That's exactly what she said. (laughs) And she was right. I mean, I think there were 6,000 people that didn't finish that race and they cut the course after I came through to get people out of there because the conditions were getting um, even more intolerable. Well, how much ahead of Like, where did they cut it and where were you, do you think, when they cut it? I think I came in at like five hours and 50 and I think they cut it, they cut, I think, mile 23 and 24 um, shortly after that six hour mark. Oh, so maybe it was like an out and back and they're just like, yeah, yeah, don't go out that way. Like, just keep going straight or something. Yeah, so it was Disney. So you wind up visiting, you know, Epcot and then Disney World and then Animal Kingdom. And then there's something called Blizzard Beach. And the Blizzard Beach part is what they cut. And that was, I think, the very last thing before you ran through and finished. So they just cut that kind of go into the park, do a circle and come out. And so they cut that aspect. Mm hmm. Blizzard Beach sounds like the place you want to go. <laughs> it's so hot. Like maybe they had some fake snow, maybe some, you know, some hoses on you. Maybe not. I'm just kidding. Oh yeah. gosh. I know. I know. Yeah. So, so earlier you told me um, that you never quit and that you walk some and that you would um, push yourself quote to keep trotting. So take us back there and into your head about how you kept pushing. Like how did you maintain relentless forward motion? Well, the good news was I felt, pretty good uh despite the Mm. heat you know like i wasn't nauseous i wasn't getting a migraine um you know i had no real muscle pain and you'd made a comment in one of my photos about you're not sweating very much and that's so funny because i remember thinking that like gosh i'm not sweating very much i think i'm having kidney failure let me take a quick like analysis of my body and i'm like "Eh, it doesn't hurt that bad keep going so uh, (laughs) i love how you i love how you think you'd be able to deem oh huh i'm having kidney failure i should stop here and talk to that medical professional (laughs) no 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 just keep going because that's you know to me there was only one way out and that was to get to that finish line and um you know you do enough long runs to know that you know if you put one foot in front of the other you will get there It, it feels like you have to quit and it i didn't want to just walk everything even if i was walking more than i wanted i wanted to just keep putting one foot in front of another because that was sort of um gosh i feel like i'm gonna get teary but you know that's how any epic journey goes like an epic event is usually a long event and um and i knew that there was glory and you know pride to be had on the other end um even if it wasn't the race i was hoping for i had still accomplished something wonderful. And so I I didn't want to quit. And I wanted to still 
do the best I could do in that moment. Um, you know, so that might've been when I started walking more of the water stops instead of trotting through them. And then it might've been walking the water stop to, you know, it's Disney. So there was always a character encounter or something and everything. Walk the water stop to the character encounter and then start running again. So I would just give myself these little goals and also give myself these little permissions um, to be in that moment. And little by little, 26.2 came around. And how, when you crossed that finish line, what did it feel like? I was, was really so happy and my husband and kids were there. My brother was there and um, it was really, it was really epic. Uh, you know, it felt like I can't believe I did this. I can't believe that something that has been in my head in the back of my head for years and, um, you know, has been this, this journey was, was fulfilled and I felt really happy. And then I immediately started thinking about how I was going to sign up for another one out of state so I could see what it really was supposed to feel like. <laughs> a little bit more Northern, maybe. <laughs> oh, our running group was immediately talking about doing the, um, um, uh, you know, the two cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, that I want to go. And I was like, heck yes, I am going to this. I am going to run a race in October in Minnesota. Sounds like I will for sure have the weather I want. Oh, and such a beautiful race. You know that we, we would have been there. We would have met you in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask, uh, um, a famous person, a famous athlete finished just 30 minutes ahead of you. Tell us that. <laughs> So it's so funny, you know, um, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Tiki Barber. How could I? He, you know, is a renowned National Football League star and um, wonderful athlete. And, but I was looking through the article, um, I think later that day, about the marathon and who, who'd run it and their celebrity and an endorser, one of them, at least anyway, was Tiki Barber, mm-hmm. who um, was, for those that might not know, New York Giants, um, wonderful football player. And it was his 13th marathon. Wow. And he finished in that five hour window too. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew I wasn't going to be a 10 minute miler, but I was hoping to get just inside, you know, or right around that five hour mark. So I was honestly feeling a little defeated too. I was happy to have finished, but you know, I felt like I could have had a better marathon and in some different, um, in some different, uh, situations. Yeah. And I'm reading this article about Rhonda or Tiki Barber, who has been paid millions and millions and millions of dollars for his athletic ability. And he only finished 30 minutes faster than I did, who has, I've never, let me just say, been paid a a cent, a hot hot penny for anything that had to do with my athletic abilities. So yeah, that really put things into perspective to me that said, this was a really hard race. This wasn't just because it was your first time and it isn't because this isn't your event. This was a hard race. Yes. You know, Yes, quantifiably well, a hard race. Yes, definitely. So, so for people that are going into a race where the conditions aren't ideal, maybe it's heat. You know, that's definitely the trend that we're seeing. Um, or maybe it's you know snowing, raining, windy, whatever. Kind of just, do you have any advice for them to kind of adjust their expectations? And I mean, I know your coach told you not to worry about your times, but it's hard because of course you have. You, you know, you, you visualize your race day for so long through training and you get there and you're like, oh, wait, this isn't what I wanted it to feel like. How do you, how do you kind of um, justify those two things or reconcile those two things? Sure. I think 
number one, you have to know what you can control. I couldn't control the weather. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly couldn't as much as I would have hoped for better conditions. This was the hand I was dealt. So I had two choices, you know, try to adjust. Um, I didn't want to hurt myself. You know, I have a busy life. I had two kids waiting for me at the end. So I didn't want to, you know, be that young man I'd, I'd seen on the side of the road at like mile 20 that was getting taken away in an ambulance. I wanted to be smart about it, but I wanted to finish. So finishing fast was an impor- as important to me as finishing healthy at a certain point. So I would just, you know, reconcile those things that that you need to do to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And, you know, there will be other opportunities. And I'd hope to have been running a marathon again last October and see how I could do and start having this kind of marathon journey. And that didn't happen, but I know there's another one out there for me. So it was the beginning. It wasn't the end. It's, it's one race, but it isn't all the races. Sure. Sure. So do you have something up on your race calendar next? Um, or we just talked to Kelly. I, she's got some, some things uh, brewing. What about yourself? Are, are things live in Florida or not so much yet? Well, our sort of in Tampa here, I don't know if you all have ever, I know you weren't there last year at the Gasparilla Distance Classic. It's our kind of hometown mm, big yeah, race. Yeah. It used to be a marathon. Now it's a half marathon. It's it's um, a 10K. They have a lot of races, but half marathon is, is the big distance. And they've announced in the last two weeks that they're going to be live. Um, they have limited registrations, um, but they are going live. So we're thinking about signing on for the half marathon there, but I would, I mean, I had my heart set on that Twin Cities and I thought it'd be a wonderful place to to go. And I really think if I sign up for a marathon, it will be out of state again, I'd, you, just because I really, you can't count on the weather in Florida. I had a friend that ran the Jacksonville marathon the weekend before, and she had great weather, you know, fast forward a week and I've got basically dead of summer with a high dew point and all those things. So I would like to, you know, try again for the Twin Cities. And the reason I did the Disney Marathon in the first place is because my sister-in-law and I kept trying to enter the raffle for the New York City Marathon and we Mm -hmm. never, we were never chosen Mm -hmm. or picked. And so we thought we're going to have to just take one here and get this under our belt while it's, (laughs) it's hot. (laughs) Well, we hope to see you uh, in 2021 at the Twin Cities. It's, it's definitely worth traveling for. So um, thanks for sharing your story with us, Christine. I would do it. Thank you all for having me so much. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. I was telling um, Sarah via email that I don't have a best running friend, but it was you two. It was you two and all those training runs. I would start my first hour when you're starting in that four o'clock time frame. You need somebody. You can't necessarily always lean in right to Beyonce. So you all would warm me up and keep me company that first hour. And then I'd, I'd listen to music for the rest. So we're, we're I don't the, think I've done it without you either. Oh, you're very sweet. You hear that, Dan? We're a warm up back to Beyonce. We're not quite Beyonce, but you know, we're <laughs> yeah. not a bad gig. It is. It is. We'll take it. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Our final epic undertaker is Christy Magnuski. She lives in Spartanburg, South Carolina. We have a bunch of um, people south of the Mason-Dixon line today. Um, uh, Christy is a former professional teacher now filling that same educational role for her two school-age kiddos. And her epic achievement was her first ultra marathon which we need to add the caveat she did on just two weeks notice. Uh, so welcome, Christy, you stud at you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited about this. <laughs> That's, we're excited to have you. I'm excited to hear about uh, an ultra in two weeks notice. Um, so you've been a runner since middle school. Um, so tell us a little bit how your running has evolved over the years. Okay. So yeah. Um, 
I was always the kid who was like not good at volleyball, not good at basketball. I didn't have the hand-eye coordination and quick reflexes and stuff. And then we got to running the mile in PE in like seventh grade. And I did pretty well in it. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's a sport where like, all you have to do is just keep running. Like <laughs> I can do that. And, um, and so I, I went from there and ran track and uh, cross country in high school and um, through college. And, and since then I've just been running, you know, for exercise and stress relief and, and that kind of thing. But it, it definitely started with the, the mile and <laughs> PE. So you're like one of the first people that has enjoyed the mile and PE. That's, that's great. I um, so um, do you like to race Christy or are you more of a, you know, clear your head kind of runner? Um, a little bit of both. Um, racing kind of comes and goes. I tend to get motivated by friends who say like, Hey, we're doing this race. Do you want to do this? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I checked off some races years ago. Like I, I had marathon kind of on my to-do list before I had kids. Um, so that motivated me to do that one. But, um, otherwise I tend to be a pretty thrifty person. So when I see like that, a 5k is $30, I'm like, I'm not going to pay $30 to run three miles. But, um, <laughs> one of the races I'm signed up for right now was like a beer and brew 5k series. That was $13 for all four of them. And I'm like, yeah, I'll run a bunch of 5ks for $13 and, and maybe get some beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, so kind of a mix. I, I run for, for sanity and stress relief, but, um, I enjoy racing when there's a good race to be had. Yeah. Yeah. So Christy, it sounds like you had a very different goals outlined for 2020 instead of an ultra marathon. You told me yoga, strength training, and maybe running a faster 5k. Um, how did that morph into an ultra? Right, right. So, um, in 2019, I had done a couple triathlons and I sort of burnt myself out on training and having a big training plan to do, you know, day after day, week after week of, I've got to do these things to get ready for this race. And, and so I felt a little burnt out on that and I didn't have any particular event that I wanted to accomplish next kind of thing. And so, like you said, I had sort of decided that um, doing my favorite yoga class once a week at the Y and trying some more strength training um, was going to be sort of be my, be my focus. Um, but then again, there was also that really good deal on the 5k series. So I thought, <laughs> well, I'll sign up for that and that will keep me running, you know, enough to be ready for those, you know, even if it meant running maybe only once a week or something like that. Um, I just really wanted to sort of take my time to run when I felt like running and not because a training plan said I had to. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, my goals were just to kind of keep moving and, and focus on yoga for being calm and, and like I said, the strength training and stuff. So an ultra marathon was definitely not on my list. Um, it's been 10 years since I ran a marathon even, and I mm. haven't felt the desire to do one of those again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good experience, but I feel like I kind of checked it off the list. So an ultra marathon was not on my list at all, but, um, a friend in our local running community, um, had posted to our Facebook group saying, Hey, you know, what's the plan for this race that we're all doing in a few weeks. It was called the longest day. And I thought, well, I haven't even heard of that. What's, you know, what is this event? And um, it was two weeks away at that point. They were literally getting like their last minute details of like who's bringing tents and who's bringing, you know, snacks and, and whatever. And I looked at the, the description of the race and just thought it sounded so cool. It was unlike anything I'd ever heard of before. And so two weeks before it, I registered and was like, well, let's give this a shot. There's nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so tell us about the ultra. So it's, it, it was a looped course, right? You want to tell us about that? Yes, yes. So I will say that 
if, if it was anything else, if it was like 15 miles out and back, there was no way I would have even tried. Like I knew that I wasn't in a position to do anything like that. I didn't know enough about how to carry fuel or any of that kind of thing. So the fact that this course, it was a two mile loops around a farm and um, it started at like six in the morning or five thirty in the morning, something like that. And I knew that after every two miles, I'd be back at my tent where I'd have fuel and clean clothes and whatever I might need. And um, I could decide again, whether I felt like doing another two miles. And so that sort of took the mental edge off of like how daunting it might be to think about doing a 50 K. Um, but yeah, it was two miles around a farm. Parts of it were, were hilly trails. Parts of it were grass fields out in the sun. Um, and, uh, yeah. I don't remember what we were talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the, the race itself, the course. It felt very doable, right? The loop felt very doable because it didn't, like you said, you couldn't want to go a 15 mile out and back. Right, right. Yeah. The, two, the fact that it was a two mile loop made it feel more doable in that, yeah, I wouldn't be stranded miles and miles out of town or something like that. And um, originally when I signed up, I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll go do 10 miles or maybe 12 miles or something. You know, if nothing else, it's a day out of the house. At that point, we were three months into the coronavirus thing. And I'd been at home with my family, my kids, as much as I love them. I'd been at home with them 24-7 for months. And I was like, you know, I'll go do this thing. And it'll give me an excuse to get out of the house. And, you know, maybe I'll do 10 miles. And sure. And um, in the days leading up to the race, as I was reading more on the website, I read that anything less than 50K was a DNF. I did not finish. And I was like, oh, well, that changes this whole thing because that's not my personality. I don't, I've never gotten a DNF and I wasn't going to get one now, I hoped, you know. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, and so talk a little bit about that DNF threshold. I mean, did that add pressure to you? Because you're like, oh, now I'm not just dropping out after maybe five laps. I've got to go 16 if I want to, um, you know, meet my standards of what is acceptable to me. I, yeah, I don't know if I'd say it was pressure so much as motivation, just sort of like it raised the bar a little bit of like, okay, I'm not just going to go out and see what I can do, but I'm going to push myself a little more and, and see if I can actually finish the whole 50K. But at the same time, I'm smart enough, or I've you know been training long enough and running long enough that I didn't want to like put myself in the hospital or anything. I wasn't going to um, do anything that where I felt like I'd be injuring myself or, or that kind of thing. Sure, sure. Um, but, I like I, that, but it was a good chance to push myself and see like, what could I actually do? I like that reframing of um, not pressure, but motivation. I, I do that with my kids. They'll say um, that something's going to be hard or tough. And I'm like, no, you know, it's going to be challenging. And, and I don't know, sometimes I think it's the reframing that can help you get on with things and, 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 um, you know, try to tackle them. So um, so how did you approach doing an ultra without any real training? I mean, had you really been up in the months leading up been running just one day a week? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, so Kids, don't do this at home. Just well, exactly. I will say that if anybody's listening to this to be like, oh, she did an ultra. Let me listen to like how I should prepare. Like, no, this is not, this is not that podcast there. Are, you've had great interviews with other people who know more about this. Um, this was more, um, yeah, this is definitely out of the blue. I, I'm sure there are training plans that are like months and months long that tell you exactly what you should do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I had been doing, I have a yoga class on Tuesdays at the Y that I had been doing. And um, 
a strength training class on Thursdays at the Y that I'd been doing, you know, pre-COVID that all ended in March. And Mm -hmm. so like March through June, I had been like running laps in front of my house when I could because the kids were home. Um, I would, you know, go for a walk around the neighborhood and that kind of stuff. Um, I was doing some strength training stuff like squats and push-ups while my kids were on the computer in their Zoom classes and stuff. Like, what can I do to work out and not interrupt what they're doing while I supervise, you know? So yeah. it was, it was, um, I'd been, I'd been active, but I had definitely not been running high mileage or anything like that. Um, and with two weeks until the event, there was, there was not a chance that I was going to accomplish that. Like, yeah people were tapering as they uh-huh. should. And um, so, so the, the main, my main concern was it was June in South Carolina and I grew up in Michigan. And so I I've lived here like a dozen years now, but the summer is still just miserable to me. And so to me, the concern was the heat. And so I decided that in those two weeks before the event, I would um, go for walks outside in my neighborhood at like the hottest time of day. So yeah. I would go like do two miles around my neighborhood and, and come back to my house and drink some water and cool off a little bit. And then I'd go do it again, just to mm. try to get used to the idea of exercising in that kind of heat. Um, Cause I normally run at like five in the morning or I run at the Y on the treadmill where it's air conditioned. <laughs> um, and so I decided that I needed to at least be able to deal, the heat, deal with the heat. And so in the two weeks before the event, um, when I had signed up and decided I was going to do it, I did about 25 miles total of walking and a little bit of running around the neighborhood, um, which again, all, is not the of- way anybody should train for an ultra. So wait, so during the whole two weeks, it was 25 total or at one yeah. point? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think I did, I think I did like eight or 10 miles one day where I did, you okay. know, four or five times I'd done these loops back to back around my neighborhood. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, n- nothing that any normal person would say like, oh yeah, you've done enough miles, go do it. <laughs> so, and it sounds like from details you shared before the recording, it sounds like the terrain and the weather ended up to be very challenging. So, you know, how did you deal with those both physically and mentally? Yeah. Um, so the, the course itself started out um, with a pretty big hill and that was it. Was sort of a blessing that there was such a crowd at the start of each loop again. Mm-hmm. Every loop started, everybody started again, every lap. So it wasn't a matter of people spreading out over the course. And so every time we went up this hill, we were kind of in this big group again, which made it a really good excuse to walk up the big hill every time. Mm-hmm was, was helpful. Um, just kind of sticking with the crowd to go up that hill, but also, um, kind of mentally breaking the course into parts and deciding like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to run on the downhills. I'm going to run where it's shady. I'm going to walk in the sun. I'm going to walk when it's, you know, big hill or when everybody else around me is walking and I can't help but do that. Um, early on in the day, it was a really nice temperature. Like I said, the race started at about six in the morning. So, Mm it was cool and shady and all that early in the day. But um, later around say noon, one, two o'clock when it's full on sun, it's South Carolina in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was getting really hot. And I'll admit like around say mile 20 or so, um, it was just hot and miserable. And uh, I just kept thinking like, okay, well I'll finish this lap. And every lap you had one minute less to do it. I probably should have mentioned that before. Yeah. But um So the first lap, you had 45 minutes. The next lap, you had 44 minutes and so on. And so I kept thinking like, well, every lap that I can finish, you know, Mm -hmm. good. I I guess I'll keep going until I don't finish in the amount of time. You know, that was kind of Mm -hmm. my new 
goal was, you know, maybe I wouldn't get the whole 50 K, but I would do every lap that I could in the allotted time. And Mm -hmm. if I didn't make the cutoff, then that would be the end. But, um, Mm -hmm. around mile 20 or so, um, it was just getting really hot. And, uh, I kept thinking like, well, I'll just walk as much as I have to and just keep seeing if I make that cutoff time. Mm -hmm. And, and I was able to do that. And, uh, it's, I don't, I, it's hard to remember all the details at this point, but at some point it started getting cloudy and it was mm. clear that a rainstorm was coming. Mm-hmm. And generally that's not ideal, but um, it cooled things off a lot. Yeah, yeah, uh, so, mm-hmm. so again, having grown up in Michigan, the cool, cloudy, rainy, I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is my jam. Like everyone else is like, oh, it's raining, it's cooling off. And I was like, this is perfect. This is amazing. <laughs> and so that kind of refreshed me to be, to be cooled off. Um, it did make the course muddy because there were, there were trails through the woods and, and things like that. And, um, at that point it became more a matter of running where I felt there was enough grip to be able to keep running and mm-hmm. walking where it was like, you're slogging through the mud, or if you try running here, you might slip and get hurt, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it broke it up sort of mentally to keep looking at the terrain and deciding, well, how am I going to do this? Or where am I going to run or that kind of thing? Nice, nice. Well, and you told Sarah before um, this recording that the ultra made you fall back in love with running. So doing something epic like that gave you, got you going again, like kind of revved your engine. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so like I said, I'd kind of burnt out on, on training plans and, and some of that kind of stuff and had taken a break from running. Um, and this event was sort of a combination of so many of the things that I had done over the years, like the, the running lap after lap after lap was very much like track in, in high school. Um, and the running on trails kind of reminded me of cross country and I hadn't run trails in a long, long time. And, uh, so it sort of reminded me of what I liked about that when I had been younger. Um, it, it gave me a chance to see again, like what I was capable of and like, how pushing myself and trying to do something that I, I wasn't sure if I could do it um, was sort of really fulfilling. Um, and so all those kind of different aspects of it made me realize what I had liked about running for all those years. And, and again, kind of made me feel like I fell in love with it again. It made me excited to, to sign up for a few more races and, and kind of get back into focusing on running rather than it just being like, Oh, once a week I'll throw that in to, to stay in shape and to, you know, get your beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. So, so I gotta say, listening to you, to you talk about it and thinking about how little prep ahead of time you had, it makes my legs hurt. Like, <laughs> did, didn't your weren't your quads like just killing you? Weren't your feet covered in blisters? Like, I just can't imagine that you weren't in a world of hurt. Well, I probably should have been. Um, <laughs> I. I I used odds and ends of, of things that I had learned over the years. Like I, I had glide everywhere, body glide, you know, to, to prevent blisters between all my toes and all the hot spots where my sports bra might bother me. Um, one of the perks of having the two mile loop was that in my little tent, I had dry shoes. I had dry socks. Um, I had, my car was parked like a couple hundred yards away and I had a whole change of dry clothes there and stuff. So mm. some of the things where in a, in a marathon or if this had been, um, you know, sort of a keep going the whole time type event, I wouldn't have had a chance to put on dry socks or to change my shoes or to put on a dry shirt. Um, and so some of those things I think helped with, you know, not chafing, not getting blisters, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and 
I think the the mix of running and walking really helped keep me from from burning out my legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I will say that was one thing I I hadn't known about ultra races or or maybe it was just this particular race. But I was really surprised by how many people had walking as part of their strategy. Um, mm-hmm. Like lots and lots of people were walking a significant portion of the race, including the guys who like, when I look at them, I think they must be the 16 minute 5k kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who I would think would just be blasting through this whole race had it as a strategy to, you know, walk early on or walk parts of it, walk the uphills, that kind of thing to, to just keep going. And um, so I think that helped me seeing that, like my, if my strategy included a lot of walking, knowing that I wasn't alone in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're spot on that's great well and so now you have another ultra on your calendar for january which is you know, <laughs> three months away um what race are you going to do and um are you going to be training for it and i just got to say we have ultra programs with a brand new ultra coach in the train like a mother club christy if you want you know something a little bit more than uh you know two mile walks around your neighborhood yes yes i i will be approaching this this one a little differently um so the the race in january is called the snowbird um, it's a similar style event. It's organized by the same group called, um, upstate ultras, and it's a 2.6 mile loop this time, um, part trail, part pavement. Um, but again, kind of the idea of, I don't have to try to figure out how to haul everything or, or to have some fueling team meet me or anything like that. Like I'll be back at my little stuff, my little tent every few miles. Um, and I've, I've, at this point I've, I've been training for the, these 5k races that I mentioned. Um, I've got a 10 miler in a couple weeks and then um, I've printed out sort of a marathon training plan that I'll kind of vaguely keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I don't plan to train for this the way that I trained for a marathon a decade ago. Um, I think I, I am at a stage in my life where I'm not particularly interested in, in the the 20 mile long run that takes me four hours out of the weekend. Um, I can't really do that with the, with um, my responsibilities at home and my responsibilities with my kids and um, some of the long runs where if I get up in the morning and I get up at five or six in the morning and run 10, 12, 13 miles, I come home and I'm wiped out and want to take a nap. But my husband's like, I've had the kids for the last four hours. It's your turn, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So um, I'm not in a position to, to do some of the long training that, um, that some people might choose to do for this kind of event. Um, but I'll definitely do more than I did for the ultra in, in June. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, with now that I've sort of fallen in love with running again, I'm, I'm running, um, running more miles than I had been and running a few times a week and, and have a few other races on the schedule to keep me going between now and then. So I'll definitely do more to train for it this time around. Nice. Well, pretty sure you'll nail it. It sounds like you, you got it, <laughs> the, the, the formula down and you've got the mentality and, and the, the, the body to do it, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank you. Take care. All right. Well, hopefully that got people fired up to, to um, step up and, and see what they can do. I mean, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> move to the southeast part of the country here to do it though that's the only place that that people are doing epic things it sounds i'm just kidding and it was funny because i was like south carolina virginia florida like <laughs> no it wasn't until we got that i'm like hey wait a minute i'm sensing a trend here <laughs> oh my goodness well uh, let me make one correction i'm I, this was like bugging me and i don't have my phone nearby but I told, you know, I said it was 2,200 feet of climbing, mm-hmm. which to me feels like, cause you know, 1,500 feet is a mile. So I was like, well, that's 
you know, a mile and a half. But then I'm like, but I live in the mile high city, which is 5280 feet. Mm. So it might be, I don't know. Anyway, it was a hard race for Kelly. It sounds like a hard race no matter what. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, if I got my math wrong, I'm just saying. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Cut the German major some slack, people. Come on. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, um, we have um, had some exciting uh, additions to our Mother Runner store. It is our first ever capsule collection. It's a fall winter, has kind of a retro vibe, um, snuggly pieces for our work stay-at-home lifestyle, including a joggers set um, that has been just flying out of the store. And um, two of the shirts have a phrase that I dropped, just sprinkled in a couple times in this podcast, relentless forward motion with a long sleeve tech tee. I know Dim one is en route to you as I speak. <laughs> and uh, and then a one on our lifestyle tee. Um, some just have our cute. Um, oh, and also coming to you is the, you love our full zip hoodies. So we have a new one of those that has our retro kind of anniversary logo on it. And um, just really fun stuff. So check that out. It's good stuff. Yep. Yeah. Totally, totally. It's really, you did a great job on it, Sarah. Yeah. And it's definitely some good stuff that'll get you through the winter. Yes. Yes. So check that out at motherrunnerstore.com. Again, that's motherrunnerstore.com. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy, possibly epic miles. Possibly. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs>